Good morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, grateful for this gathering. Thank you for Richard's mom and sister being here all the way from Tennessee. And please watch over them on their way home. And Lord, we thank you for the visitors here today, too. We pray that you would uh, love on them and speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for my church family, Lord, I pray that we would all leave here different than when we came, that we'd hear from you today, that your word would not return void as you promise. And that by the Spirit that lives within us, that it would do its work that it needs to do in each of our hearts. We pray this because we love you. Amen. I'm weeping early today. So here's where we were last week. Everybody remember, we're working our way through the book of Romans. Please get your Bibles out. Turn to Romans chapter 8. And we didn't get too far on this. We only got through verse 5. But you know, as I mentioned before, it's been said by some of the great theologians of the past that the greatest book in the Bible is the book of Romans, and the greatest chapter in the greatest book is chapter 8. So we've been here a while, and I'm not going to rush through it because there's so much gold in this mine. We're going to keep taking the gold out until we get, it, get as much out as we can before we move on to chapter 9. So, brothers and sisters, let me just kind of get us back into the context here a little bit. We've been talking about the great battlefield of our lives. And, you know, when we talked about, really, there's, there's three things going on. One of the battlefields is what? The unredeemed man or woman that lives within us. The old nature that's inside of us, right? And, and that old flesh keeps rearing its head and wanting us to do things we shouldn't do, right? And it also rears its head, it doesn't want us to do things we should do. Do you have that person living in you? Yeah, we all do. That's a battle, one of the battles of our life. But to make it worse is that the devil is the prince of this world, okay, and he's using the whole world system to incite us, to tempt us, to draw us away from God. Amen? And so here you got, you got the battle within, you got the world system, and you got the devil and one-third of the angelic host that got kicked out of heaven with Satan, and they're all trying to war against the family of God. It's an intense battle. They want to pull us away from the family of God. They want to throw temptations at us because they know our weakness. They want us to get us to fall into sin. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, it's out there. It's rampant. But we have good news here because what we found out right after we learned that is that if you are a child of God, we saw unbelievable truths. First of all, we saw that there's, there's a new position, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know I've reviewed this, but I'm going to review it again. Because, see, the devil wants you, when you sin, when you sin, the devil wants to come along and say, you're not a Christian. Give it up. Give it up. Come back to slavery. Come back to the slavery to Satan. Stop following Jesus. Who are you kidding Right? So he wants, to, he wants you to believe in your head that you are condemned. That's what the devil works on. So that's why it's so strong. He says, listen, it was very clear in Scripture. I know about this battle you're in, but, but be confident. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, will never, you are an adopted child of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You're always going to be in the family of God. See, so brothers and sisters, we all sin. I sin. I confess and I repent. I'm right back in right relationship with God because I am a member of the family of God and I pray all you are as well. 
So he said, not only is there new, this new position, but he said there's a new power. He said, to prove it to you, I'm going to put the very Spirit of God to live within you. Isn't that amazing? Remember, we, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks here because I told you in the first seven chapters of Romans, the Holy Spirit's only mentioned once. It's mentioned 20 times in chapter 8 alone because he wants us to know the power that we have that lives within us. So you have a new position, a new power, but he said, listen, this wasn't just so you go to heaven. I didn't, I didn't adopt you into my family just so you can go to heaven. I adopted you into my family and I gave you the very power of God to live within you so that you would live a different life. So that you would stop walking in the flesh and start walking in the Spirit. Stop it. Stop walking in the flesh and start walking in the Spirit. And that's what we talked about last week and we're going to talk about it some more today. Now, one thing I mentioned, I think it's important truth that we all get a hold of here. Is that Liam? Wow. Let's get him in the choir. The, the one truth I mentioned is, um, okay, for this battle of walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit, do an does an unbeliever have a choice in that? No. An unbeliever does not have a choice. Come on. A lot of us were saved later in life, or we, we can remember even if you were teenagers, you knew you did not have a choice. You lived for the flesh, by the flesh, the flesh was your God, you served it in any way you could, any, in, all different, in all different temptations we fell into, right? That was our God. We lived for self, by the way, that's who we're living for, right? Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, work, education, position, possessions, it doesn't matter what your God was, you were living in the flesh and for the flesh. Everybody that was born was born a slave to Satan. So an unbeliever doesn't have a choice. But here's the, I want you to hear this. An unbeliever has a choice. Okay? You've got to hang with me on this. The unbeliever has a choice. It isn't an automatic. You don't all of a sudden, okay, now you're a Christian, and now you're just going to live this holy, righteous life, and you're going to walk away from everything that ever controlled you in the flesh. It doesn't work that way. So you have a choice now. It says, it's telling us, it's commanding us, stop walking in the flesh and start walking in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. That's the call. You know, something else I don't want you to be deceived about, brothers and sisters, something we didn't talk about last week, is that, you know, and I see it prevalent in the church today, is many people think they're saved or they think they're living the Christian life because they go to church on Sunday. Because they do devotions. You know, they read their Bibles. They come to Bible study. And I don't want anybody to be see, deceived that's sitting here. Because, see, you can do all those things in the flesh. And, and you know what? As believers, can I get a witness in here? Has anybody done that as a believer? Got up and did your devotions and it was a check in the box or gone to church? Sang worship songs? And really, it's if we weren't even here in the church. Amen? We, so we know what it's like. We know as Christians, we can do it in the flesh, even as believers. I mean, look at this verse for a minute. From Jesus, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Look at this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will plainly then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
Why am I showing you this? I'm showing you this because do you think these people thought they were saved? They thought they were believers. But obviously, the point is, oh, great, we got Sister Mary must be here. There she is. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, so I want to show you that to show you that don't be deceived. Just be going to, you know, going to church and doing Bible study. You can, somebody can do that in their flesh their whole life, and then they get to the seat of judgment, and Jesus says, I didn't know you. Right? So it's important we examine ourselves to make sure that we're truly believers in Christ. That we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. That He lives vibrantly within us. I don't want anybody sitting here today to get before the judgment seat of God and think they're saved and they're not saved. So we can do that. But what's the key here? The key to this, the, this reality is do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Intimate relationship. Do you love Jesus? Do you love to meet with Him in the morning? Do you love to talk to Him throughout the day as you pray? Is, is, he, is he really the Lord of your life? Then when you get before the judgment seat, He will say, Enter, my child. Well done, good and faithful servant. Who doesn't want to hear that on the day of judgment? I pray that's true for all of you. Okay, back to the text here. We're still on verse 5. So, so brothers and sisters, as believers, we're called to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So I want to give, I want to give you an illustration. Last, time, last week, out of Galatians, I gave you a, a description of what that was. But now, I, here's the question. I mean, come on, I hear it from you after church. It's like, hey, yeah, I want to live that life. How do I live that life? How do I walk by the Spirit? Does anybody want to know that? Do you know that? Okay, everybody else can leave. I only got two that want to hear about that this morning. So I want to show you what that looks like. So we're going to, I'm going to teach you this out of uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I want to show you specifically the differences, be, what it looks like to, to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Okay, you can just look up here and, and follow along with me if you would. Colossians 3, 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So, what he's saying here. First is to, to set your mind on the heavenly things, not on the earthly things. Now, brother and sister, hear this, please. The physical world is dominant, right? What, what seems to be real to us is the physical world, right? It, it screams out at it, this, this is what matters. Don't you see that in the world today? Your paycheck, where you live, whether you have a spouse or not, all these things scream out, this is... this. See, Satan wants you to think that this is the ultimate reality. That's what he wants you to focus your mind on. All your plans and dreams and goals and aspirations are supposed to be about this. But what is this Scripture saying? It's saying, listen, there's a reality that's bigger than the physical world, and it's the spiritual world. And I know it's hard for you to believe this because you can't see it. But your focus on the spiritual world has to be more important than your focus on the physical world. 
Are you with me? See, it's what he's saying. You set your mind in the heavens. What, when Jesus was asked, how do we pray, what do he say? Your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, he wants us to be focused on the heavenlies, on the spiritual world, so we can be agents to bring that reality to the world. And then it, and it says, then when he appears, we'll appear with him in glory. And, and that, that, I just want to tell you, that verse, if you, if you dissect it, what he's really saying is, take courage because it won't be long and you will be glorified. See, we, are, we went through sa- salvation the moment we received it. We're going through sanctification. We're being made more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. But he's saying, hey, hang in there because pretty soon you're going to be glorified and all the physical things will be gone. They won't matter anymore for eternity. There's a new kingdom. And Jesus is ruler of this new kingdom and all the things that everybody thinks are important will be gone because you'll be glorified and all those temptations and all the things of the world will be gone at that point. So take courage, live this out is what he's saying there. So, here, we might still stay on this verse today, so that's all right. But I want you to show, so that's the focus. It says, so if you're raised with Christ, set your minds on things above, start focusing on the spiritual realities of your life, not so much on the physical. That's why he said you died and your life is hidden with Christ. We saw that in Romans 6. And pretty soon we'll be glorified. Now look at verse 5 here. It says, put to death, stay with me here, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Let me say that again. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. And he gives us a list we saw this similar list in Galatians last week. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So, brothers, here's the question for this. Who kills, who kills these things in the flesh that live within you? The Holy Spirit is the power but what does it say here? It says, put to death. Do you see we play a part in this? It's, it's not let go and let God. I want you to hear this. It's, that's not what it's saying, let go and let God. It's saying we have, we have a part to play in putting these things to death. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will put these to death. It's telling us, put to death these things of the flesh. Have you not found that true in your life? I, I've gotten into, into sin patterns in my life, and, and I could pray and pray and pray, but eventually I have to take some action. I've got to put it to death, right? And, and one of the ways we put it to death is we starve them. We've got to starve those things that live within us in the flesh, right? We stay away from them, and, and that, that kills them as we starve them. I mean, so I know a lot of you were smokers, right? And, you know, when you quit smoking, what happened? There's a craving, yeah. I mean, it's intense, isn't it, in the beginning? And as you starve it, every day you stop, right? Doesn't, 
as you starve that, that, that smoking, day by day it gets better and better, does it not? Every once in a while the devil will rage up and tempt you, but overall the physical symptoms go away, the emotional tie to it as a good friend goes away, and even the spiritual hold that it has on you goes away as you starve it, right? You know, for our family, when we go on vacation, we, don't, uh, we, we enjoy food. And no, there's no sin in that, but we enjoy food. And so we maybe eat more. We eat not only more quantities, but more often than we usually do. All right? But see, when, when we get home, you know, I, I'm giving you a simple illustration here, but when we get home, I have to readjust my body. You hear me on this? I'm just giving you a simple illustration. I have to starve that out because I have this, I've, I've built up this appetite now. I want barbecue ribs, and I want barbecue chicken, and I want mashed potatoes, and I want deep dish pizza, and I want pasta. Is everybody getting hungry now? But the, the reality, so when I get home, what i got to do first is the first day back, I, have to, I can't eat as much. Maybe the second day I'll have a salad. You know what I need to do the third day? I need to do a complete fast because I don't want food controlling me. I want, I want to control the food. It's a simple illustration, but I'm talking about how we gain control over things of the flesh is we have to starve them and it's up to us, with the help of the power of the Spirit, by the living Word of God, through prayer, to put those things to death. And he, does God want to put those to death in you? Does he, does he want to break any holds the world has on you? Yes, He does. So take confidence in that. Anything that's got a hold of you, God will help you kill it and put it out of your life. You know, maybe your maybe your hold is more emotional. Maybe you have an anger problem. Maybe you know. I you know everybody likes to talk about the obvious destructive sin patterns: drugs, alcohol, sex. But the reality is, there's there's lots of other ones that are just as destructive. How about a critical spirit? Have you ever been someone that anytime you talk to them, when any, you bring up anybody's name, all they do is criticize. Oh, you know, you don't. He or she is this, or he or she does that, right? Yeah, that's a critical spirit. Or someone that has an anger problem, you know it, and you've got to kind of walk on eggshells around them because they may blow up. You know, for a long time for me, when I, before I was a Christian, the hold that was on me was success and work and climbing the ladder. I mean, I was pursuing things of the world to climb a ladder to provide for my family. That was the lie, but the reality, that had a hold on me. And you know what? The world does this to those. They applaud to those kind of controlling, fleshy things, right? Oh, look at him. He's really a go-getter. So I'm just telling you, don't, don't just think of it as drugs, alcohol, and, and things like that. It's, it's anything in the flesh that's controlling you that you pay worship to. Okay, let's continue with this. Just look up here. We'll just go through the other part. So the first thing we have to do is put to death the things of the flesh, but here's the good news then God wants us to put something else on. We take off the things of the flesh and we put on the things of God. Now, hear this too, brothers and sisters, is that I'm just telling you that this is another one of those things that is not going to make sense to you. You're going to say, I'm going to take this off and I'm going to put what you're talking about on. That doesn't seem like that's going to be fulfilling to me. Are you you hearing this? It, It won't make sense because listen, we live in a fallen world and we've lived for the flesh for a long time, so the truths of God will not always feel like this is right. But you, that's when you have to have faith. You have to say, listen, I'm taking this anger off 
and I'm going to put on a compassionate heart. And it doesn't sound good right now, but that's what I'm going to choose to do. That's what you have to actually do to start living that new life. So let's look at this new, the new things that we can put on to replace those things of the flesh. It says, put, look at this. I love this first verse here. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Don't you love that? Doesn't that just warm your heart? He's saying, he's saying, my children, my adopted children, my chosen ones. You see, that's what chosen ones. We were chosen and adopted into the family of God. It says, it says holy. You know what holy means? He goes, I've chosen you and adopted you into my, into my family, and I'm setting you apart for, for God's work. I'm setting you apart to live this new life. I'm pulling you out of this dirt and grime and slavery to Satan, and I'm bringing you into a new, a new life. Do you see that? So we're chosen, we're holy, and then it says we're beloved. Do you know how much God loves you? You know what? We have no idea. We can't even begin to imagine the love God has for us. Yeah, we have some indications for God so loved the world. He sent His only begotten Son. It's the first fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit, love. We have some indications, but we really won't understand how much God loves us until we get on the other side of heaven. But He wants us to know that He loves us completely, fully, satisfying any needs we could ever have he desires to meet out of his love for us okay so here here he's saying so i just love he just introduces us god's children you know chosen ones holy beloved and he says look at this put on what what's the first one there compassionate hearts you see that put on compassionate hearts see th- this is a choice brothers and sisters we need to retrain ourselves when we become Christians. See, you know, we can't just say let go and let God. He wants to start embracing a new life, and it takes practice. So the first thing you have to do is put on a compassionate heart. That's a heart of care and love for others, right? Caring for others, seeing past. Because, hey, come on now, where were we before? Who were we focused on before Christ? Self. It was all about us. We didn't admit that. We may have played little games, but it was all about us. And he's saying, stop that. Now you've got to start focusing on others. Have a compassionate heart. Open your eyes. Put on the eyes of Jesus and see those around you that are hurting and need. Compassionate heart. Kindness. Here, let me ask you this before I go through the rest of the list. If I pulled aside some of your family and closest friends, is this the list they'd give me about you? This is the list that... If we pulled about people that we work with or that know us well, this is the list they should be able to put down for us. Oh no, yeah, she or he has got a compassionate heart. They're very kind. How about this one, humility? Oh yeah, they're very humble people. Is that convicting? What's humility? See, when you start putting on the eyes of Christ, see, in the flesh, what we do is this, is we look at everybody else and we try to we size them up, especially men. I don't know about the ladies. I assume they do it in a different way, but we size everybody up to see how we fit in. 
And what we try to do is we try to find out things that we're better at than anybody else so we can elevate ourselves and step on others. See, that, that's the way of the world. But see, when you put on the heart of humility, what you do is you really try to find out how other people are better than you. Because guess what? Every one of you is better than everybody else in here at something. Right? So we try to find out what they're better at so we can encourage them in what God designed them to do and what he gifted in them. And you know what? Here's the other part. With your own gifts and your own strengths, don't ever own them. They were given to you by God. So we don't take pride in whatever we're good at. So someone say, oh, you're really this or you're that. You know, that's God's gifting to me. I appreciate you recognizing that. I pray I use it for his glory and honor. But it is not about me. So this is the things we have to put on. So we have to put on a compassionate heart. We have to put on kindness. We have to put on humility. Now meekness, uh, that, that word gets a bad name, but what it really means is power under control. Meekness, when you say, oh, he's meek, you know, he's kind of feeble and he's not a leader and he has no power. That's not what that word means. In fact, this is the word they would use to describe a, a newly broken wild horse. It wasn't meek, it's, it's a powerful wild horse, but now it's meek because now it has been trained. It has been broken. So we, we have the power of God, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, so we have incredible powers, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we're, we're eternal in our souls, but it says, put that under the control of God. Let God lead you and control you with that. That's what meekness means. So it says, you know, let God lead you in your daily activities and, and, and sharing the gospel and, and being a child of God. Is everybody doing okay? All right. So th- these are things we're supposed to put on. And, and patience. You know, I think this is, the, there's two words here, but um, patience is the first one, which would mean, you know, does life circumstances set you into a tizzy? Or do you just take them? Do they kind of roll and you just kind of go with whatever life brings into your life? Or, you know, if something goes wrong in a day, are you out of control? Why should we never be out of control? Who's in control? God's in control. And He's allowing the circumstance in our life for a reason, so embrace it and don't let your emotions get carried away. How about this one? Bearing with one another. How do you do with that one? Come on in. Here's the bearing with one another. Let me ask you this. Do some people irritate you? Okay, good. Some people irritate me too. So, you know, maybe they talk too much or they don't talk at all. Maybe they're, they're too energetic or they're, they're lazy or whatever it is. You've got all these ways of defining people, but they can come at you and for some reason they just rub you. You know what I'm saying? And what it's saying is put up with them. Get along. Don't let them be pushing your buttons. Just come and meet them where they are. And, and don't, be, don't be judging them. And don't be criticizing them. But meet them where they are as a child of God. How about this? If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Are you a forgiving person? Or, or do you have a whole list of things that people have wronged you on and you've got a big, long score sheet? Here's a, here's a clue to if, if you're holding grudges. Is there anybody that could walk in here right now when you see them, you're not real happy because you're holding a grudge against them? You know what I'm saying? 
We, we, see, you're carrying around change you don't need to carry around if you're carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness. There's no reason to carry that. I'm not saying you have to seek these people out. I'm saying before God, just forgive them before God. Say, God, I, for, I forgive that person for doing this. I forgive that person for saying this. Just get that out of your soul. You don't need to carry that. It's killing you. It's, those are heavy chains to be carrying around. So the question is, you can test it. Is there anybody that could walk in here right now when you saw them, whoosh, you're full of anger and hatred and resentment. You're carrying around burdens you don't need to carry. Get rid of them. Just forgive them before God. Now, we also believe in Matthew 18 in this church. If someone has sinned against you, you need to go to them and confront them. If they won't repent, you need to go back with an elder. There's a process in the Bible. But I'm just talking about many people are carrying around unforgiveness for people that may even be dead. You know? So there shouldn't be anybody that's around you that you're carrying that burden. It's, it's, it's not what we do as Christians. We forgive them and move on. I could, I, boy, I could tell you a story here. There was a time I was ex- extremely betrayed in the marketplace. I'll make this short. Extremely betrayed in, in my workplace. Um, just, it's, it's a long story, but it was an incredible hurt. I mean, there was many sleepless nights. It was, a, it was really a form of betrayal. You with me? Now, this person wasn't a believer. But, you know, and I was carrying this. I was losing sleep. I was angry. I wanted revenge in some way for this betrayal. But as I got a hold of this truth, you know what I started doing is the Bible says pray for your enemies, right? I consider this person an enemy. I'd begin to pray for them. You know, they weren't saved, so I'd start bringing them before the throne of Christ. And you know what happened? I did see that person again, and I, I greeted them with a smile, and he thought I was nuts, but the reality is I was freed up from that. I didn't hold that anymore. God had taken it all away. I actually, believe it or not, I had a love for that man. He's not a brother. I had a love for that man. Because I had spent so much time bringing him before the throne. When I saw him, I was kind of excited to see him. And uh, unfortunately, he, as, as I, at least as far as I know, he's not come to Christ. But I'm saying I had to get rid of all that junk. And when I did, I was freed up beyond belief. So forgiveness, it says here. And look at this, above all else, put on love. You see that? Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, love is, love is the great commandment, right? Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Everybody everybody's your neighbor. It's not your next door neighbor. That would be easy. Everybody's your neighbor. And do you love everybody like you love yourself? You know, that's why it says here that this holds all these other truths together. Because if you can see anybody you meet, let's say our Wednesday night outreach where we get some people showing up that maybe are drunk or they're on drugs, they show up, and do you love them? If you love them, if you truly love them, you you can have a compassionate heart. You can be kind. You can be patient, right? You can put up with them, with whatever struggles. I mean, here's the real deal. We all know this. We have no idea what their story is. We have no idea what hardships they've been through. You know, we like to just come at them and judge them and put them into... That's not the love of Christ. Look at his own life when he walked this earth. You need to love them unconditionally. Just love them, and then all those things will flow. That's why it binds it together. 
And I'm telling you, if you're walking around loving some and not loving others, you're missing it. You've got to get to the place you can love everybody. That's the key. You know, one of the prayers I pray frequently is I do pray that God would help me love Him more and love others more. I pray it almost every day. I want to grow in that because that's, yeah, die to self. Let me love everybody. You know, it's just another testament. Mary and I were out to dinner on Friday night. And uh, we, that's our Friday night's our date night. We're having a hamburger at this place, and we had a waitress that was difficult, very difficult. But what Mary and I sat there, you know, and what easy thing to do would be to treat her back, or you know, what I'm saying there's all kinds of things we can do when you're in that situation. But we decided we just started talking. I said, "Well, I wonder what her story is. I wonder what her family life was like." She was a young girl, lots of tats and lots of things, and the tats said certain things you don't need to know, but you just wonder, was she, what kind of relationships has she been in? You know, you start going through your heart, and by the time we got done talking about it, guess what? We could love this girl, because we don't know what her story is. So loving everybody. We did love her, didn't we? Okay, I'll make sure. We probably didn't love her enough, but we did love her. And you know, I, I've told you all before, if there's one statement I want to be known about the Oasis is we're known by our what? We're known by our love. If anybody in this community asks us about this church, I don't want it to be about their expository preaching. I don't want it to be about their, their outreach or their doctrine or their position on eschatology. I want it in this community. I want everybody to know, you know, the Oasis Church, I've gone there. They have a meal every Sunday. They love on you. I felt welcomed. I, I was hugged. I was loved in that place. That's what we have to be known by. Do you guys feel loved here? All right. Thank you. That's what we got to be as a body. Okay, let's move on here. I have no idea how we're doing, but we'll stay with me, please. We got a good meal today. Yeah, I know, brother. I appreciate you every week. You're the only one saying it, though. <laughs> so love which binds everything in perfect harmony. look at this one and let the peace of of christ rule in your hearts i'm telling you this listen hey guys so much to, if we start living this way you're going to have a peace that transcends understanding because i go around and i'm loving everybody i don't and i don't have unforgiveness in my heart i can be patient do you see how that gives you peace you can walk around without all these burdens when you start walking in the spirit now, don't get me wrong, I have days I lean to the flesh, I have days I lean more to the Spirit, I'm like you, but I'm pushing myself more and more, killing more things in me so I can walk more by the Spirit. And you'll have a peace of God. It's, it's an, it's an, no matter what comes at you, you can just take it on knowing God's in control. Okay, how about this? And be thankful. You know, when I, when I minister to some Wayside Brothers, um, I can tell pretty quickly if they're going to make it through the program. I've been doing it for 10 years. And as soon as they start to lose their attitude of gratitude, I know that there's probably not a lot of hope they're going to finish. And, and the brothers that are there really taking it in and, and living it right, and, and there's many of you that are here today that are doing that, and they have an attitude of gratitude. They're very 
thankful, but I see brothers get in there and, and, and beginning they're grateful because they have a place and, and food and provision and a roof, but all of a sudden the meals, the people, the staff, the, the, the uh, chapels, they start to grumble and complain about lots of things in the place and I know that they're not going to make it through. You have to be a thankful, you have to have a thankful heart. Here it is. What do you deserve? You deserve hell. Hear me. You deserve, and I, we deserve hell and eternal punishment. That's what we deserve. Don't we? Yeah. We, from a holy, righteous God, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty of sin is death. And he's talking about eternal death, not just physical death. So if that is what we deserve every day, and we get up every day, and the Spirit of God lives within us, and we know that we are destined for heaven, can we have a bad day? We shouldn't have a bad day. That's the reality. We shouldn't have a bad day. We should be grateful every day. God gave us a new day. We get to live it for Jesus. And not only that, even if He takes me home, I'm going to eternity. I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. We should be grateful every day. Don't let anybody steal your joy. All these things have to be put on. You can give them away. You cannot live them, but they are here for you to fully embrace and live if you choose to. You have to put them on. And one of the ways we do it, look at this next one, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, I love this saying from Dr. Wearsby. He says, if we, if we have the word alone, in some churches I have the word alone, they're all word, word, word only. It's as if you have the word alone, you get puffed up. Have you known people like that? They get, it gets in their head and they get puffed up because all they have is the word and they're reciting these things to you and they're showing you what they know. Now the other side that Wiersbe says is if you have the spirit alone, you blow up. These are people that don't focus on the word and they're levitating and you know casting out demons and you know they're they're just it's all spirit and it's kind of it's chaos it's craziness because they're blowing up right. But here's the deal. When you have the Spirit and the Word, you grow up. See, you need them both. That's what grows us up. And I'm telling you that if you want to start living this new life, if you want to put these things on, the Spirit is the power, but the toolbox is the Word of God. You've got to give him the screwdriver, the hammer, the wrench. You've got to give him all the tools so he can start living this new life out in you. Otherwise, you've got a big source of power down here, but he doesn't have any tools. The Word of God is the toolbox. You've got to be feeding him the Word every day so he can use it in your life to change you. How about this? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Are you all singers? All right, brother. Praise God. Praise God. I appreciate that. You know, I, when I first, I'll tell you the confession here, when I first got saved, I was too prideful to sing. You know, I was a new believer, and I was just too prideful to sing. And I, you know, I justified it with my voice isn't good, and it isn't. My family will tell you that. But the reality is, I was too, it was pride, because God wants to hear joyful noise out of each of us. And you know what, once I got a hold of that, I haven't stopped singing. You pass me in my car, you'll see tears rolling down my cheeks. I am singing songs like there's no tomorrow. I, if I had a bad day, the, what I do on the way home, I've got to get 
and I'm, I'm kind of a gospel guy, so I listen to a lot of gospel. I'm singing gospel, and people are driving by me, my car is shaking, I'm getting, you know, I am that grateful to God. And if I have a bad day, I go downstairs to my treadmill run, I, got, I have to get some music in my heart. Are you singers? Eddie says he's a singer. Praise God, Eddie. I hope you're a singer for God. And then here lastly, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, amen, amen. Everything we do, every breath we take, every word we share, every job we do, everything we do, we do it to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. You know, we have a lot, of, a lot of guys here that come here and vacuum. You know, you come to the church, you don't see it all, but they come here early to vacuum the church. Ed comes here to fix things, so things work when we get here. There's all kinds of things that go on in this church. I get to stand here and do this, but there's so many things, and they do it to the glory of God. They do it because this is God's house. So it doesn't matter what we do, we do it all to the glory of God. You know, this is where we ended up last week. Can we, can, we, can, we, can we go through one more verse? It'll be a short one. One more verse. I just want to get through at least one verse today. Okay, brother. Verse, uh, here, I'm sorry. Verse 6 here. We did 5. So you, do you see the difference between setting your minds on the Spirit and setting your minds on the flesh? Do you understand how we live it by taking off and putting on? Everybody got that? All right. But look at this here. It says here that just set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, don't, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Because what the world says is life and success and happiness is death. And I, brothers and sisters, I'll just tell you, I won't spend too much time on this, but I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many people I've met at the end of their life and they were... I mean, they were steamrolling on this thing in life that they thought was the answer. You know what I'm saying? And then they got to the end, and they said, it was a dead end. I spent my whole life going down this road, and I got to the end, and it was a dead end. And you know what they're full of? Regrets. I wish I would. I wish I could. I wish I did this. wish I spent more time with my family. Wish All these things start coming up. And I'm telling you, don't get deceived because the things that seem to offer life, the happiness, the things of the world, end up just giving you death in the end. But if we follow the way of the Spirit, it gives us not only life, but what else does it say here? Peace. That's why we embrace this. He's given us this, he's telling us how to do it, but he's saying, listen, if you've got this choice to make as Christians, even as Christians, it's how many rewards we're going to have on that day. You're, by the way, listen to this. Nothing can steal your salvation. Your relationship with Jesus is sealed and secured. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how much are you sending up to heaven before you. That's what I'm talking about. Nothing can take your salvation. Don't, don't miss that. Your relationship with God is secure, but it's how much of your life is added to life and peace and how much is added to things that are dead. What's eternal? In this world, what's eternal? People. And the Word. People in the Word are eternal. Every one of you is eternal. Everybody we meet is eternal. They're going to one place or the other, but they're all eternal. So we've got to set our priorities on the things that matter with God. 
the brother says, let's end here. Uh, we'll come back and finish these verses, Lord willing, next week. I know your bulletin goes all the way to, I think, verse 11. But we'll, uh, we'll just pick up here next week. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that you get this truth. This is an incredibly important truth. That you Listen here now, this, let me close with this, but you need to do this inventory yourself. You need to examine yourself to see what parts of your flesh need to be killed. And it's, don't be letting go and letting God. You've got to actively kill these things in your life and replace them with things of God. You've got to do that work. And don't worry, God's going to empower you to do it. He wants you to. You got some killing to do? I'm killing something right now in my life. There's something I'm trying to kill myself. um, Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just grateful for uh, this time in your word. I'm grateful for this family of God, the Oasis. Thank you for the visitors that are here today. Lord, I pray too that uh, we'd continue our discussions over our meal. Uh, Everybody, uh, just open your hearts and minds to each other. Let's talk about these truths. And I pray for the VBS meeting today, Lord, that you give wisdom and direction. I pray for everybody here that they would be encouraged to invite people to the VBS and to the Wednesday outreach. And Lord, we do all this because we love you and we want to bring you glory and honor. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.